Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. You probably know that Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks, but you may not know they have a lot of other audio content as well. So we're offering a free trial so you can check it out. Just go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth sign up for the trial and go exploring. I think you'll find an awful lot of uh, really valuable content that you didn't know was there. This podcast uh, has been fortunate to um, have gained a continuous recognition as a great resource for uh, sales professionals, small business owners, uh, business leaders of all kinds, And it's really because I've been fortunate enough to have some incredible people join me as guests. They uh, come on. We have a great conversation where they share their expertise with all of you so that you can get the information and the answers that you are looking for for your business. You can take that information. You can implement. You can reach out to these folks. uh, And that way uh, you can do better things in your business than maybe you were doing before. Today is no different. My guest today is Dr. Michael Colburn. Michael has built his career on performance improvement at the organization, team, and individual levels for a broad range of clients in the private and public sectors for more than 30 years. He recently retired as an associate professor of management at Ashland University, where he taught organizational development, operations management, strategic management, and self-management and accountability. Michael has authored numerous papers in academic, professional, and trade publications, and we are thrilled to have him here with us today. Thanks so much for joining me, Michael. Well, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. 
Me too, and and we are going to be talking about what I think is going to be a fascinating sub, fascinating subject, which is self management and accountability. And uh, so I would like to start like at the ground floor and ask you to explain what is self management and why is it important. Well, uh, I would define self management as the ability and the will to act in the best interest of the organization in such a way that intrinsic motivation replaces any external consequences either to reward or punish behavior. And uh, that's kind of, uh, and I found that it's important for a couple of reasons and actually more for the individual, it really is a strength-based approach. When we were in a job, I remember when I wrote uh, my book, the first line that came out was work really ought to be fun. And fun happens when we're doing things that, uh, that we're really good at, we have strength, and also we have a passion for. And when that happens, work really ought to be fun. And so for the individual, I, I found in organizations that one of the, I've worked with a lot of, um, I would call closely held companies, anywhere from 10 to $100 million uh, companies. And uh, very often I find uh, after an initial success, they sometimes have a hard time finding uh, growth uh, or healthy growth. And very often what they need is increased capacity, not just equipment or materials, but really leadership capacity at all levels. And uh, I think that's what really motivated me to, to really get interested in this. I'm an industrial engineer by background and got my, um, uh, doctorate in adult education in business and uh, I found that uh, by helping companies increase their capacity uh, to grow healthy uh, really requires leadership and it, it's more than a title it's really an attitude and and I really find that a, a large number of people in organizations really want to perform well they want to help their company uh, and it's really a partnership between the individual and their company yeah, I, you know what? I think you're right. I think that that is um, uh, really true. And I think that when the leadership um, sort of approaches with that belief, uh, they get a lot more. Uh, and so so do the employees. Like everybody wins, right? And, and creativity flows. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I found when I first... I got out of school. I worked as an industrial engineer in an organization, and I learned a lot. And I spent a lot of time out on the floor, and I came from a working-class family. And I was talking to these people who were running this equipment, and, and I found they had a tremendous amount of creativity that was bottled up, and they would use it for their uh, hobbies and things like that. And I said, boy, if we could just harness some of this creativity because they were good people who really wanted not only to see, succeed themselves but wanted the company to succeed and uh, so it was a this uh, batched this uh, um, uh, this interest that really started for me to how do we really include them uh, more intimately into their organization yeah I, I, it is I just think it is um, so incredibly important and so what are some of the tools of <laughs> self-management and accountability. Well, the tools that, and these have developed over the years, um, 
the first tool that I have taught is what we call a performance agreement. And a performance agreement is different than a job description. It is really a document uh, that communicates uh, a person's job mission, their guiding principles, and their commitments to their key relationships or internal customers. Um, and we create that by doing two things. One is I help people to, first thing, discover their own strengths and capabilities. And a number of exercises I can do with that. And then I have them identify and then go out and interview their key relationships in that company. So they're the, uh, so my, their boss is only one of them. You know, it might be a member of their team. It might be another, another part of the organization that they provide services to. And I teach them how to do the interviews. And actually, this started really with my work with companies doing strategy. So the process I used to help an individual develop a performance agreement is very similar to the process I used to help companies develop strategy and, and uh, have go out and interview their, their customers, you know, determine what their key corporate competencies are and things like that. And so then I showed them how to put it together. So at the end of the performance agreement, there is a scorecard that they develop. They, they make clear commitments, what they're gonna do. Uh, they have goals and they do this uh, with in collaboration with their immediate boss, but also with their other key relationships. And so not only do they create a, a document that's gonna guide them and help them on self-management, but also I've, I've found that it's a great way to develop healthy work relationships with people they work with. So that's, that's the first one. That's kind of the granddaddy of all the tools. Uh, it takes a while to do it, but that's, that's uh, an important one. The second tool I teach is uh, I call the goal achievement model. I find people sometimes are better at setting goals and achieving goals. And yeah. so uh, what happens is they, I find they start at the wrong place. Very often we set goals because maybe we have a problem or we have an issue we want to do. And I find instead of starting people with the problem, I start them with the vision of what they want to achieve first. And then we back into the current reality. And it's just that different uh, approach, starting with the vision and then going to current reality that really helps them develop a, uh, an action plan that is doable. Then I have a third tool is I call the priority feedback system, which is one in which the person proactively manages the communication with their boss. I have found it's much easy, easier to teach a person to manage the relationship with the boss than the other way around. And I teach them how to have regular communication with them, meetings with them. They prepare the agenda, you know, now they agree on the format of the agenda ahead of time, but they come in prepared to say, here's what I committed to over the last two weeks or a month. You know, uh, here's what I did. And it gives a chance now for the boss to play a much more collegial and coaching role instead of having to generate the, the discussion. Um, then the fourth tool is an individual learning plan, really teach people how to develop their own learning plan and to manage it and find their own coaches and find their mentors. You know. And um, as, as important is it is for companies to provide training and development opportunities it's also important for the individual to take the lead on that. And then the final tool, the fifth tool is called the performance portfolio, 
So I, I teach people actually how to keep track of all their successes and challenges and even things they didn't do so well throughout the year. So they go into the performance appraisal that they're playing uh, uh, a role saying, here's what I said I was going to do in the performance agreement and here's what I did. And then that generates a conversation which is much more productive than the gotcha conversations that often happens with traditional performance appraisal. So that's a kind of a quick overview of the five tools. And these developed over years. I just didn't have an insight. And I've been, uh, and I found they're very effective. And by in using these tools, people start self-managing. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Why, why is it that it is easier for the employee to uh, take the reins for having the meeting with, the, with their boss than the other way around? Well, one thing, it's sheer numbers. An employee ah. has one, the employee has one boss and the boss might have several people, 10, mm. 20 people. Uh, I'm working now with a company that the boss has like 20 people reporting to him. That's probably a problem too. And so part of it is just numbers. <laughs> part of it is just numbers. Same, second thing is when the employee, the job holder runs the meeting, the boss doesn't have to do much preparation. So when I teach this to people, I always invite the boss to that teaching and have them set up their first meeting. And all the boss has to do is keep a folder of the minutes of the last meeting or performance agreement. And the person comes in, they're prepared. And the, I'll have to tell you, the boss loves it, you know, hmm. when people do that. And it also, it, if there's a performance problem, it's much easier for the boss to respond to the person than bring it up. I find very often... Yeah. Bosses don't want to bring the bad news, so they kind of, you know, mull it over and, and they ignore it, or, uh, or they try to make hints. And I said, let's stop hinting. You bring it up. Yeah. And and those things changes that meeting huh. significantly, you know. And I find a, that's so interesting. Yeah, and it's it's really easy to teach. You know, I could teach it in thirty to. 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Wow. And then I have them set up the first meeting when I'm teaching them, you know? <laughs> you, know? <Yeah. laughs> you know? And this is not a performance appraisal, okay? Performance appraisals are done once a year or once a quarter. This is something that typically happens maybe once a week up to once a month, but it's normally in a short-term time frame, And that gives the people a chance to, uh, to make adjustments. So for example, let's say I'm coming in and you're my boss and I'm, I'm reviewing my, what I did over the last two weeks. And then after that, I'm going to say, you know, Diane, over the next two weeks, here are some of the priorities that I see. And then, but you've got some information about an issue that came up that I didn't know. And I said, you know, you say, Michael, I could see the order you have, but I really would like to have you work on this one first because I, and, and I'll explain why. That's much easier <laughs> to do. And so it helps the boss bring information to the table uh, and, and not have the person try to read your mind about what's important. Yeah, and do you find that, I mean, I think part of what you're saying, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like part of what you're saying is the boss has got a lot of things to keep track of and people to keep track of, so they, it, it feels to me like it would be 
easier for a boss to think they had said something they hadn't said, you know, or shared information that they hadn't shared. So if the employee is taking the lead, then it's easier for the boss to sort of sort through the information and and respond uh, in a way that is more productive and forward-moving. Absolutely. that You hit it mm-hmm. right on the head. Mm-hmm. When I taught this tool, typically when the first few meetings they have, uh, the conversation is kind of 50-50, you know? And then after they do it for a while, the, the percentage of time the boss talks gets lower and lower. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, th- that surprises people sometimes. And it might even be 80-20 or 70-30. And the reason it gets lower is that the individual starts to anticipate the boss's questions because the biggest role the boss plays in these meetings is asking questions. You know, So why do you think that's the most priority? Or what obstacles you see standing in your way that might stop you from getting your goal? Or those, those types of questions. And then after a while, the person starts anticipating these and starts answering them ahead of time. And it really leads to a, a, a much higher level communication and a better communication. And also it's much easier for the boss to do good coaching if the person initiates the issue. But the boss can always initiate it. The boss says, you know, at our next meeting, <coughs> Diane, I would like to have you talk about the following. Why don't you bring bring in a copy of your development plan and let's spend a little time on that, you know? Or I know we're having a problem with this area here. Why don't you do some analysis there and bring that to me? So, so the boss is not passive, but they are responders instead of uh, initiators. Yeah, right. I get it. Wow, this is really interesting. I, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break so then we can continue the conversation. You bet. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Uh, You are probably aware that Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. They have thousands of titles of of audiobooks that you can choose from in all different genres. What you might not know is that they also have podcasts, Audible originals, uh, news, guided meditations. So there's just a huge variety of content that you can choose from. Uh, that you can listen to, and you can listen to it cross-platform, which is one of my favorite parts of Audible, is that you can pick it up right where you left off, um, no matter where you were listening. Uh, I, you know, a lot of uh, the guests who have been on this podcast have audiobooks on Audible. Uh, one that comes to mind is Culture Spark by Jason Richmond. He was just recently on um, but I got to say that currently one of my favorite things is uh, the guided meditations hmm. because, uh, you know, keeping the vibration down right now is uh, pretty important. So, you know, um, I think you should check it out for yourself if if you haven't already. And so we're going to give you a free trial. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, you can sign up for that trial and then you can explore around, uh, you know, the variety of audiobooks and the programs and see what resonates with you. Today we're speaking with Dr. Michael Colburn about building a culture of self-management and accountability. Michael, um, I'm curious if there are any risks 
in creating a self-managed culture? Well, yes, there is. Uh, of course, the, the biggest risk is not doing it in terms of um, if you have highly uh, motivated people who really want to self-manage and, and you set up barriers for that self-management, uh, they typically have, they're very marketable when they go some other place. Mm-hmm. However, um, the, the one risk that there is, and, I, and I, I've helped some of my clients, particularly working with the CEOs, uh, to select and, and, and find really good people. And um, I had this one, when I do this um, work through these self-management tools, particularly with some top people, I always tell the top person is, you know, when I help them assess their strengths and find out what they're good at, and, and take charge of that, you know, they might not, they may find out that this is not the company for them. So you really got to know that, you know, because people, high performing wow. people have choices. And so I, I let them know that up front. And, and so the, the, there is a possibility, and particularly I found this with like smaller and medium sized companies that may not have a lot of options, you know, and I yeah. said, this is, this is something that might happen. And so you need to understand that. Now, I'll tell you one story. I had this one client uh, and I worked with for a number of years. It went from a $15 million company to about 85. And so around the middle, when they hit about 50 million, they really realized they needed a business development person. And he brought in this friend of his who was very talented, very good person. And um, uh, the CEO asked me to work with him to develop it this performance agreement. This was after a few months. And uh, I kept working with him and he assessed his strengths and he interviewed his internal customers and did all that sort of thing. And, and then I would send him to, to his boss saying, well, go share that with, with Dan and, and see what he thinks about it and kind of negotiate it. And they both had high respect for each other. They really liked each other. They were both high performers. And I remember after doing this, and I met with this person several times, particularly in this performance agreement. And he said to me, he says, Michael, I think the world of Dan, but you know, the job he has me in is not the job that I need to be doing. And I understand he pays me well and he treats me well, but there's no place in this organization for me to do what I really do well. And so he went to, to the CEO and he, Resigned, <laughs> you know, <Wow. laughs> and 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 so Dan, who the CEO who I've worked with a lot, he was really ticked off at me uh, initially, yeah. <laughs> and 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 so I was, I felt like a counselor, so I just let him vent, you know, <laughs> you know, and I didn't even I didn't even say to remember what I told you, you know, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but later on. Uh, Later on, he came back to me, and I really like this guy, and he's a, an exceptional uh, CEO. And he said to me, he says, Michael, I know you told me <laughs> that this might happen, <laughs> you know, and I have talked with, with Randy, and, you know, I hate to lose him, but may, it's probably best for him. And so it, that showed me a lot about the CEO. He, uh, yeah, and anyway, okay. the, my epic, the final part of the story was about six months later, I had, had lunch with Randy, the fellow who resigned. He and I just got together for lunch. He looked 10 years younger. 
Wow. Because he was working so hard. He was, at, you know, it wasn't that he wasn't even performing well, but he was just in not where he should have been. And I saw him and I thought he was 10 years younger. He, he, and so, uh, so even when you lose a good person and you do it the way my friend Dan, the CEO did, there's always good feelings about the company, you know? And yeah, and, right. And so, so it's, it's, it's sad, but at the same time, uh, Dan was the type of person, CEO, who wanted the best for all of his people. And I really respect him a lot for that. And, and you never know how that's going to come back in a positive way to you, even when they leave. Um, yeah, definitely. Anyway, that's, that's my, that's my, my story on that. <laughs> wow. That's great. Thanks for sharing it. That, <laughs> yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Really drives home the point too. So yeah, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Okay. So, um, uh, so if you were, if there's somebody listening and they're the leader of an organization and they um, would love it if people were self-managing, but they don't really know um, how to get started, right? Like, so, so what are things that, that top leaders really need to do to build this sort of culture and sustain this sort of culture? Well, uh, the last chapter of my book, my whole book I wrote, I wrote to the job holder, a person in their job holder role, but I saved the last chapter to really answer the question you just asked me, you know, uh, and, and basically what I tell them is the best thing you can do to build a culture of self-management is to use the tools yourself. Just because you are an executive for the company doesn't mean that you don't need self-management or you're automatically self-managing yourself anyway. And so if I'm working with an organization, I will start with some of the t top people or at least the people who, who really want it the most. And I said, if you really want to build a culture of self-management, let them see it in you, you know? So for example, who knows what the boss's goals are, you know? And I don't mean or organizational goals. I mean, what is your contribution? Mr. President or Ms. President, to, to help the organization make those goals. And so I have them, so I'll work with them on their own, and then I'll have them make them public, you know? And then also do a quarterly review of their performance, you know? What a powerful way for, for people to, to demonstrate, leaders to demonstrate to their people of they're doing the things that they want them to do. And I think when when they do that, that's the, that's the best thing a leader can do to, to encourage a culture of self-management because a culture is built by behaviors and it's built by behaviors that people see in their leaders to a large degree. Is that hard for some business owners and business leaders to do? Sure. Uh, it, it's, it, it's sometimes perceived as hard because to, to, um, to admit to a, for example, a performance breakdown um, might be seen yeah. by somebody as a weakness. Um, however, I think we see this in people that when you find people who can do that, it quite frankly has the opposite thing, that people have a great admiration when people can admit to uh, a problem or a breakdown in themselves. So, so there is that risk that uh, how will people see this or it's a perceived risk but it's not a a real risk i i um 
and, and so, so what I'll do is, is, is I'll, I'll let them take a step at a time to try it out, you know? And, and, and then what happens is if they start doing it, then, then we'll do, I may come in and, and work with them and do a kind of introductory workshop on one or more of the tools. And one of the, one of the other risks that we have is when the top person really believes in this, and they start using it themselves, they'll say, I want everybody in my organization to be doing this. And I'll say, no, 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 no. You know, I said, if we're dealing with self-management, people have to choose to come in to do it. You know, now they're going to be required to perform. So we're not getting that way there, but I would never ever uh, uh, suggest to an organization that they make uh, people use these tools. Just give them opportunity. And, and so, uh, so putting together workshops for everybody in the organization, I'll put down, I'll put together workshops or do things like that or study groups um, to help people understand the tools. But then after that, then if they really want to get into it, then they really have to ask to be into it, you know? And I find that uh, they will be more influenced by their peers doing it, you know? So I tell, the leader, the manager of a department, for example, is don't offer this to the people who uh, need it the most, offer it to the people who want it the most. And then they will pull oh, along, they will pull along the, the, the other people much more than the boss can. Okay, but that, so that leads me to uh, another question, which is, is everyone in an organization able and willing to self-manage, do you think? Well, the short answer is no. <laughs> uh, I, I think the vast majority of people are capable of self-management, but whether or not they are at this time able and willing to do it is really quite another thing. Uh, when I was working on my graduate work at Ohio State, um, I, um, I did some research and, and looked at why do some people, when I was teaching goal setting and time management, so I was doing some of the tools that it was just prior to me developing all five tools. And I, I was wondering, says, why do some people just eat this stuff up and get a lot out of it? And some of the things I teach people get frustrated, you know? And, and so I did my research. And what I learned was, one of the things I learned was, there are things about the job that make it more uh, applicable to use all my tools. So, for example, if you have a job that's highly routine, that you have very few choices and how to do things, if I teach you um, some of the things that I teach, particularly in the performance agreement, you're going to get frustrated because you can't do it. And so I, I found that the, uh, the jobs that had three characteristics were, were the ones that were the sweet spot. The one characteristic is task significance. In other words, I'm doing something that really counts, that's really having an impact. The second one is uh, autonomy, and not so much autonomy about the goals, but the autonomy about how I do my job. And so when people have a relatively high autonomy, that's good. And the third thing is feedback. And I don't mean personal feedback. I mean feedback that's provided by the job itself. So if you have a, I have a friend who's an artist. Well, he knows when he makes mistakes, he's made a mistake, you know? Uh, 
or a mechanic, um, or when I worked as an engineer. So what happens is it's a natural feedback that you get from your job. When a job is high in all those three characteristics, that's a very plus sign. So I always have people do this assessment ahead of time. And then the, the fourth characteristic is not a job characteristic, but it's an individual characteristic. It's internal growth need. Internal growth need is really how much, how important is your job to your motivation to important to you? So for example, for me, my job was always high in, in importance, even when I first got out of college. And so when that's high and those other three things are high, that's a sweet spot, you know? Uh, so that's kind of, uh, that's just one of the characteristics that I find that's fairly predictable that people who do it. So if I, if I have someone who wants to um, be involved with this and we do this assessment and they're low on some of those, sometimes I will work with them and their boss to maybe increase the job uh, enrichment uh, so it'd be a little bit higher in those other characteristics. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I have so, to know. Right. I have, to, I have to watch out for people get almost too enthusiastic about what I'm teaching, you know, uh, because if you force people to go into it, we've, we've kind of lost, we've missed the point. You know? yeah. <laughs> it is about self-management. <laughs> That's all. right. And it starts there. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> really funny. Um, okay. So, um, when you, when, So it sounds to me like the, the leader really has to do an assessment of, well, that's not what, the, what I want to ask. Here's my question. If, if it's an organization where all of those points are, are met for some of the staff, but not for all of the staff, like there's a bunch of people who really don't have autonomy over how they do what they do, right. Can you still create a culture of self-management and accountability in the organization as a whole, or just like in certain departments? No, I, I think you can. Um, let me uh, tell you one thing I found by doing using these tools. I'm finding that some of the tools are applicable to a larger range of people. The performance agreement, probably not. Uh, performance agreement, um, is something that if it's really needs to give people a little bit more control over the job. However, uh, people can set goals, have a learning plan, and even have communication with their boss in jobs that maybe are less than ideal. So what I found is if I would teach those tools uh, to those people, and then I'll even modify the, uh, the tools a bit. So for example, People who are in jobs that are less um, uh, enriching, uh, when I do goal setting, I might focus a little bit more on short-term goals, you know, as opposed to the, the more strategic goals uh, or time management, short-term, that sort of thing. Mm. And, and then I will work with the boss of the area. Let's say we have a job that's um, fairly routine then I might talk with the leader of the organization saying, is this really what you want out of that job? You know, you know? and sometimes we'll, we might go into a job 
design process and include the people in that process there. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities to increase people's engagement, which, uh, which and let them uh, self-manage to the degree that they can, not put too many expectations. And I, I think if we do that sort of thing, I think you can build a culture uh, throughout the organization. It would look a little differently for different jobs. Yeah, but that's really interesting because then it, that sounds to me like it's really a matter of being able to really look at the organization as a whole and look for opportunities to be Absolutely. able to implement on some level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. You got it. Yeah, that's really, really, this is really so interesting. Will you, um, and I really appreciate you joining me to share this information. It's enlightening. Um, will you share with the listeners, you know, how they can find you and your book and um, sure. anything else you got going on? Yes, I, I have a, um, a webpage, and the webpage has information of how to get the book, and also I have some blogs on it and some other information. Uh, it's www.michaelcolburnphd.com. Uh, and that will, uh, and, and also they can click on that and about the book and that will take them to Amazon and the book is available through Amazon with own your job, Michael Colburn. Um, uh, so if they, but if they go to my website, that will lead them around to the, the book and they can read even a chapter of the book and things like that. And, um, more than happy to, uh, and if people want to, uh, contact me directly, um, my, Gmail is dr.mjcolburn at gmail.com. I would love to hear from him, and I'd be glad to answer any questions. Awesome. That's so great. Thank you again. I really I appreciate the conversation. And uh, listeners, thank you. And I'd also like to thank audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to sign up for a free trial and uh, check out the audiobooks and the other programs that are available to you there. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band, turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. 
Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.